This week we're in Proverbs chapter 9. If you're using the church Bible, that's on page 632. This is going to be the final week in our summer series on these introductory chapters of Proverbs. These chapters really that we've been looking at are preparation for the Proverbs proper that start in chapter 10. These various wisdom sayings collected together. So it's a bit frustrating to leave off the book at this point. But just as our bodies need a variety of nutrients, and so a healthy diet is balanced with vegetables and fruit and meat and you know, all those kinds of things, so each chapter from this part on uh, provides us with a rich and balanced diet of wisdom. And I'm convinced that Proverbs is intentionally structured with this variety so that as you read it daily, you're getting a little bit of wisdom for all sorts of different topics, different parts of your life so that your wisdom will be well-rounded. And so even as we as a church together leave off this series on Proverbs, I would encourage you to continue in the book of Proverbs, getting that wisdom. But that very variety of the way that the Proverbs are collected together makes it very difficult to keep going through the book chapter by chapter, as is our practice here at Wiser Lake Chapel. So next Sunday, we're actually going to begin a new series for the fall on the book of Philippians. But I hope as we end this summer series on Proverbs, that you are hungry for the wisdom that this book has to offer. I hope that we as a church are growing together in wisdom. And even basic steps like realizing that we need to ask questions, uh, is something right and wrong? But beyond that, is this wise or foolish? Is this prudent? Using discretion in what voices we're listening to, I hope that these kinds of wisdom practices are being built up in us as a congregation. Listen then as I read uh, Proverbs 9. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come. Eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house, She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there and her guests are in the depths of Sheol. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Has this ever happened to you? Uh, you commit to helping someone move, and then you, know, you say, yeah, Saturday I'll help you move coming up, and then you get an opportunity to go on a hike and the weather's good, 
or someone offers you free tickets to a concert, and all of a sudden you're like, well, they're my friend, I committed to helping them move, but this really sounds good. Uh, or maybe you really want to do a race, but then for some reason your wife's 40th birthday is on that day, and you're like, <laughs> like well, I want to stay married, but <laughs> you know, that tension. Or, or maybe you've gotten two invitations to events on the same night, uh, and you're, you're not sure what to respond to. They both sound great. And it's also almost paralyzing trying to decide, what am I going to do? Am I going to go to this party or this party? Well, that's how Proverbs 9, as it brings us to the end of this section, presents us as the readers. It says you're caught with two invitations, a tension between two mutually exclusive offers. We're invited to come feast at the houses of Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly on the same night. It's mutually exclusive. You can't go to both. And so you've got to choose. It's one or the other. Which invitation are you going to accept? As we consider these invitations, there's two truths I want you to see. Wisdom will feed you, and wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. First, wisdom will feed you. Wisdom will feed you. Do you see the preparation Lady Wisdom has put into her feast? It seems to be a sort of housewarming party, a dedication feast. Wisdom has built her house and hewn out seven pillars, and now she's inviting people to come feast with her at the opening of this house. Seven pillars implies quite a large house by ancient standards. But it's also interesting, if you go through the book of Proverbs, there's seven sections that each begin with a heading. You see one of those at 10.1 where it says the Proverbs of Solomon. And so if chapters 1 through 9 are written as an introduction to the book of Proverbs as a whole, wisdom is saying the seven pillars of the book are now finished. The banquet is about to begin. Come and join me at this feast. Wisdom butchers beasts for the feast. There will be steak and lamb served. She mixes wine. Uh, that doesn't mean she's watering it down, but she's, she's mixing it with herbs and spices. Uh, I guess maybe we'd say it's like a mixed drink, a cocktail. She sets her table so everything's just right. Maybe you've been invited to a, a, a host house who has the, the table set all right with a tablecloth and all the different forks and everything, and the table looks perfect. Everything's just right. She sends out her maids to call out the invitation from the highest place on town, in town. Wisdom's feast is industriously prepared with planning and foresight. But now compare that to Lady Wisdom at the end of this uh, chapter, in verses 13 through 15. There's no building, no butchering, indeed no preparation or plan at all. It's not a flattering picture. She may be seductive, but she's also loud and knows nothing. Rather than sending out servants to invite guests, she simply sits by her door, yelling out at those who pass by, come on in here for a meal. In cities like New York, one of the things that's strange is that restaurants and clubs and shows pay people to stand out in front of the door and call out to you as you walk by, come in here for a meal. Sometimes they hand out coupons, they try and harass you. Uh, and if you're a visitor to town, it can be overwhelming that you feel like you have to talk to all these people. Uh, if you're a New Yorker, you just, you're, uh, it's kind of the New York attitude a little bit that you just ignore them and cut them all out, block them out, ignore it. Um, it can be overwhelming until you learn to ignore it all. Well, in the modern world, I left my cell phone down here, but in the modern world, with your cell phone and push notifications, those sorts of distractions are daily in front of you. It's like you're carrying around New York City in your pocket, constantly voices blaring out for your attention. 
Note in verse 14, or rather 15, Lady Folly calls to those who are going straight on their way. They're going on the straight way of life. They're heading in the right direction. She has no power over them until she gets their attention. This is the way with foolish distractions. When they catch our eye or grab our attention, then they begin to have power over us. So we've got to be prepared. We've got to decide ahead of time to ignore foolish distractions. And what does Lady Folly offer for her meal? No meat or spiced wine, but water and bread that is not even hers to offer. Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. At one level, it's absurd. Lady Folly invites guests to her house and says, we're going to go down to the store and shoplift what we're going to eat. Uh, it's not a very enticing meal. But at another level, there's an important insight here into the nature of temptation. Sometimes the thing in itself that's tempting us is not intrinsically at attractive, but the temptation really lies in being uh, secretive, breaking the rules, uh, doing something in secret. In his uh, Confessions, Augustine talks about being a youth and stealing, uh, quote, huge load of pears from a neighbor's tree. Not because they were hungry, not even because he likes pears. He ended up giving them to the pigs, but simply because it was forbidden the thrill of committing a crime. Augustine says, I loved my error, not that which I erred for, the pair, but the error itself. I loved doing crime. The thrill of the forbidden, of being sneaky, the excitement of crime is what spices Lady Feast. But she claims this feast will be held in secret. Verse 18 says, the guest will be joined by the dead in the depths of Sheol. You sit down at this dinner feast and you start realizing something's not right with the other guests. They're actually dead. And then you look around, you realize something's not right in the room we're feasting in. It's the grave itself. It's like something out of a Christ the Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens. On the other hand, what does Lady Wisdom offer? Lady Wisdom will feed you. She will sustain you. She will give you what you need. She too calls to the simple, those who are uncommitted not yet been formed, turn hither, come this way. Lack is in fact a qualification for wisdom's, Lady Wisdom's Feast. She will feed you, but she requires that you renounce your former ways, that you leave your simple ways. You turn aside from your uncommitted wandering. Here then Lady Wisdom's generous invitation. Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Come and enjoy life-giving blessings of creation, of food. What does this mean, to come and eat and drink? Well, verses 4 and 6 call us to turn aside from our former ways, to repent. But verse 5 calls some positive in its place, to come to wisdom, to submit to her instruction and discipline and to eat and drink, to chew on wisdom, to be nourished by wisdom, to meditate on wisdom, and to have our thirst quenched, our desire satiated. Lady Folly's meager meal leads to the grave, but Lady Wisdom's joy-filled feast is the way of life. Leave your simple ways and live, and walk in the way of insight. Wisdom will feed you. Her food is, is life-sustaining, life-giving. But then mixing metaphors, to live requires that we renounce our former uncommitted ways and walk in the way of insight. Wisdom's way of life is a continual process. You've got to keep walking on it. 
You can't simply get life and say, well, that's good enough. I'll stop here. Life, true life, meaningful life is walking in the way of insight. To live the good life, you need to have insight into life's true meaning. Indeed, the give, into the, the giver of life, the meaning of life. Then you have significance. So you can't get life apart from the walk. So we have before us invitations from Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. Which invitation are you ready to RSVP? Which dinner party do you want to attend? Lady Wisdom will feed you. Lady Folly, I'm not so sure. And then in this middle section, verses 7 through 12, we have a sample of the spread. Some appetizers from Lady Wisdom's feast offered to us. But it's not just a random sampling. It's carefully arranged, and it connects to Lady Wisdom's invitation. You see this careful arrangement? Verses 7 through 9 warn us there's a risk to correcting scoffers, and there's a reward to correcting the wise. And verse 12 returns to that. If you're wise, you're wise for yourself. It benefits you. But if you scoff, you will, alone will bear it. it uh, by yourself, you'll, you'll reap the consequences. And then right in the middle is the central truth. Wisdom begins with fear of the Lord. Wisdom begins with fear of the Lord. Uh, before we turn to this central truth, or as we turn to it, wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord, let's see how this appetizer tray connects to Lady Wisdom's invitation. In verse 4, Lady Wisdom invites the simple, those who haven't yet made a commitment for the way of wisdom. They haven't matured into what they will ultimately be. The simple are then, in principle, still teachable. They're still open to being taught. But verses 7 through 9 move ahead in that process. No longer is it the simple, those who are open to persuasion one way or the other, but the scoffer and the wise who are set in their ways. They are no longer open to instruction. The scoffer is a way of wisdom like a fool, but also mocks wisdom and mocks those who follow her ways. The scoffer is set and committed in the way of foolishness. Of course, God can soften even the hardest and most foolish heart and convert even the scoffer. That's true. But that's not the point here in Proverbs 9. The point here in Proverbs 9 is to warn us. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves the wicked man incurs set in their ways if you end up getting abused yourself. And so correction is a test of our character. There's a contrast between the scoffer and the wise. Don't reprove a scoffer or he will hate you, but reprove a wise man and he will love you. We must be willing to accept Lady Wisdom's reproof and correction along with her food. So friends, Let's examine ourselves. How does your character stand up to this test? Are you thankful for correction, or are you angered by it? When someone tries to correct you, how do you respond? Do you get defensive and attack them and say, yeah, well, you do this, so how dare you tell me about this? Or do you love a person who tries to correct you? And even if maybe they're not doing a very good job trying to correct you. You recognize that nevertheless they put their finger on an area in your life where you need to grow. How do you respond to correction? It's a test of your character. The wise know there's always room for growth in wisdom. Willingness to learn is a mark of wisdom. So do you see in verse 9, give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. 
But this raises a question. If the wise are the people who learn by instruction, and you need instruction to grow in wisdom, how do you get started in the process? It sounds a bit like that old joke about a man who stops for directions to a certain city and is told, well, if I was going to that city, I wouldn't start from here. Uh, but we are here. This is where we're at. So how do we get started on the way of wisdom? Verse 10 tells us, the fear of the Lord is the beginning, the starting point of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So to end on, we're back to the throughout the book of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the trail that leads, it's the starting. It's the way into wisdom, it's the gate. In this series, we've been saying the fear of the Lord brings together what we typically think of as fear and awe. There's some things we fear, say, uh, being in the shower with your glasses off and realizing the clump of hair at your feet is actually a big spider, okay? What you feel is fear, but there's no awe for the spider. You just want it out of the shower, right? There's other things we're in awe of. We've had some beautiful, bright pink sunrises in the last couple weeks. And you just stand in awe and wonder of the sunrise. But there's no fear about the sunrise. It's just awe. But then, and I know I've used this example before, uh, stand on the rim of the Grand Canyon and look down thousands of feet to the Colorado River. It's awe like the sunrise, but there's healthy fear as well. You guys not to be joking around, shaking the person next to you like you're going to push them in. That there's healthy fear and awe. Or you see a person in the wild. There's awe, but they're getting too close to you. And if you're wise, there's healthy fear as well. That's what the fear of the Lord is. Fear and awe together, respecting God as God. And so fear of the Lord in verse 10 is parallel to the knowledge of the Holy One. The Lord is the Holy One. He's separate from creation. He's wholly other. He's the creator, not a creature. He's full of life in himself. We have life only as he gives it to us. When Israel encounters the Holy One at Mount Sinai, they tremble in fear. They want to run away. They ask Moses to be their intermediary. They say, don't let us hear his voice again. When Isaiah encounters the Holy One in a vision in the temple, he cries out, Woe am I, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. After Ezekiel has a vision of the Holy One, he sits overwhelmed for seven days before he can say or do anything. That's what the fear of the Lord looks like. A mark of the wise is willingness to learn and be corrected and be reproved. And that sort of willingness comes from humility. And we learn humility when we encounter the Holy One. When we are shaken by awe and fear in the presence of the Lord. Starting point to process of creation, to the path of wisdom, is true humility that is fear of the Lord. Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. To connect this with the two invitations then of Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly, eating the food of life or death turns on this question, the right response to the holy and living God. Again, verse 11 tells us, the way to life. your years, years will be added to your life. This is the way to live a meaningful life. And yet the Holy One, separate, holy, apart from creation, nevertheless, in the voice of wisdom, calls out to us, Come, eat my bread and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live. 
This invitation sounds almost too good to be true. Is God really inviting us to come and eat and drink? Well, the Bible opens with an invitation, indeed a command to eat from all the trees in the garden that God has planted except for one. And the Bible ends with this invitation in Revelation 22, let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. That's the bookends to the whole Bible. God calling us to come eat and calling us to come drink. Yes, God really wants us to come eat and drink. And Christ, the wisdom of God, came and gave himself, as we already heard from John 6, as the bread of life. My flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. In Jesus, we see into the deep things of God that Lady Wisdom's invitation points towards. Lady Wisdom has carefully planned this feast that she invites us to. And through Christ's work, we see God's eternal plan for all things set forth, a plan for the fullness of time. Lady Wisdom works to build her house and prepare it for guests. Christ's work on the cross repairs the house. It unites and restores all things on, in heaven and on earth. Lady Wisdom invites the simple, those who lack wisdom, to come and taste her food. And likewise, creation goes out to come eat all day and are heavy laden. And I take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Lady Wisdom invites us to a feast that she's butchered all of her uh, beasts for, to prepare for, to give us this life-giving food. But Christ, the wisdom of God, offers his, himself, his own body and blood as our life-giving sustenance. Jesus says, I give my body to be broken, to be slaughtered as true food to give you life. I let my blood be poured out to cover you and wash you, and, and take away your foolishness and reconcile you so you are fit to come to God's house and feast. So yes, God really does want you to come feast with him. Hear then these words. The invitation of our Lord. Come, eat my bread and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live. Let us pray. Lord, it is astounding that although we are simple and foolish, indeed even scoffers opposed to you, you nevertheless loved us and desired to feast with us. And so you gave yourself for life so that we can come and eat and drink, that we can come and have new life through you. Thank you for this free offer, this call. Now, Lord, even to respond to the call is not within our own power, but we need your Spirit working within us, softening our hearts, giving us a desire to accept your invitation. And so we ask as we conclude this study of Proverbs that you would indeed give us a love for wisdom, a desire to live in the way that you have called us to, a desire to live wise lives to your glory. 
Lord, challenge us that we might love you as we ought to. You know, stir up our hearts even as we sing praises to your name at the conclusion of this service, that we would come and eat and drink and find true life through the power of your Spirit and in the name of your Son. Amen.